Welcome to In the News for March 31st, 2023. I am Brett Burney from AppsonLaw.com. And this is Jeff Richardson from iPhone JD. Good morning, Brett. The end of March, I tell you. The last day of March. Is this the Ides of March? Is that the end of March? I have have no idea. But the the end of the first quarter of the year, which it seems like we just started, which is crazy, crazy goodness. Lots of stuff going on, including this past week, Jeff, that you reported on uh, very well. 16.4, iOS 16.4. I feel like we've been talking about this for a while because we've all known that it's going to be coming and we've even kind of previewed some of the things that were going to be coming out, including like the new emojis. You had a really nice brief post, I thought, this week that you put on like with some bullet points, which I loved, of just kind of aggregating what are going to be the kind of the highlights of 16.4. And then roll it down a little bit other... so we can see some of those yeah. emojis there. There we, there go, we are. There. The little flat. <laughs> I feel like that's like the squishy, you're squishing a face, but I, I know it it's does like look the high like five. That, yes. <laughs> Good stuff coming out in 16.4 this week. Yeah. In fact, I, I'm laughing at the high five. Somebody on another podcast was mentioning that now you can send somebody like one high five emoji and it's like, don't leave me hanging. You know, give me, don't the, leave give me hanging. Exactly. Don't leave me hanging. So exactly. Be all sorts of messages <laughs> fun coming out. Um, but, you know, what's interesting is that like we talked about it last week when we knew it was about to come out and we talked about it a couple of weeks ago when the preview yeah. came out. But as is always the case, when the final version comes out, there's all sorts of little tidbits in there that either people yeah. didn't mention or people didn't know about because Apple did not turn them on into the last minute um right. and you know there's just all sorts of little features the, the one article that i linked to from uh gadget hacks i thought they had it's funny yeah, because when this, this article first came out it was called 51 new features and then they changed it to 52 and now i see it's at 53 <laughs> so they keep finding more later, who knows it may be up to 54 you it never know some more. Um, but this one does a great job because it has lots of pictures and it shows yeah. you know so you can actually see what they're talking about but just to give you one for instance that i didn't even know about there's a section here that includes like tons of shortcuts improvements the shortcuts app and one of them that i did not know about it until yesterday yeah. when um it wasn't linked publicly but um um uh yeah, the max sparky here uh, David yeah. Sparks of the Max Sparky website has a little uh, membership program, and he did something just for members where he was saying that the intercom feature of a HomePod, so that's where you have one or more of your HomePods in your house, okay. um, you know, announce something so that people can just hear it, like, you know, come on down, dinner's ready type thing. But you can now send a text message to a specific intercom and have it talk, oh. which is something that you couldn't do before, which means that you can set up all of these shortcuts that will, like, figure out some information like, you know, what's the weather for this morning going to be? you know what's right. the uh you know what what's happening in your calendar and then it could like speak it on your home pod in the morning automatically i haven't tried it yet but it's like oh that's an interesting feature that i had not you know never even occurred to me and that's just like one subset of the list of sub uh, of shortcuts right. features of which right. that's just one of the 53. So all of these are tiny, don't get me wrong, besides the big ones that we've talked about before. Um, but they're they're it, it's it's interesting. It's 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 a lot of stuff that's in there for just another point point something release. So even it's worth tiny scrolling through. Yeah. Go ahead. Tiny little things like page turning options in mm-hmm. uh well, is it the iBooks app anymore? They just call it Apple Books, I think. I think right? it's just called Apple Books. Yeah. It used to be when you when you turn pages, it had like a little page curl. And then Apple took that away a year ago. And now if you if you enjoyed it and you want to have that come back, you can specifically go back and turn it on. Um, you know, go, it's go into silly that. little, you know, just, you know, make making things more pleasant type uh, type things, you know, dark mode supports. But there, there, there's just a ton of, um, of of improvements here in 16.4. 
Yeah, another uh, article you linked to from Chance Miller at 9to5Mac that was specifically focused on the new things in the Apple Music app. We're going to get to the yeah. classical app in just a moment, but this was this is the already existing Apple Music app that there's a couple of just really neat little tweaks in here too. Yeah, like lots of little interface tweaks, things that are a little, you know, used to take two steps can yeah. now take one. And yeah. it, it's worth looking at the article because these are sorts of things that you may not notice as you're using the app until one day you're like, hey, wait a minute, I've never seen that icon before. So, um, so you know, nice little improvements throughout. The one that you, that, you're, that you just had on the screen for a second ago was Apple came out, um, gosh, I want to say it was last year, Brett, with a new version of the HomeKit architecture. Right, this was to set right. up matter. Apple released it, and then like a day later, they pulled it back. And I nobody knows why. That. I, yes. I have still yet to see anybody <laughs> diagnose what it is that caused Apple to pull it back, but it's now out again. And so once you update all of your devices, and if you've got multiple people in your family, you want to make sure that they've all updated their iPhones and their iPads. But once everybody's yeah. updated, you can go to the new home architecture, which is supposed to be a lot more stable. And, you know, things are just supposed to be ironed out a little bit more. I literally did it in my house last night. So I haven't yet, you know, tried it out enough to see if okay. I can, okay. you know, see some real improvements. But this is clearly Apple's new architecture for the future. It's setting up for matter. So this is something that I'm sure you're going to want to do to sort of get on to the next level and move on and that's now available so um interesting stuff something that we talked about i think just briefly last week was this um what do they call it voice isolation feature right and then you linked to an article from john gruber at daring fireball where the, he was talking about the new updates for 16.4 everybody was just kind of going through this but i thought this was interesting this voice isolation feature was something previously available if you were using whatsapp or facetime or something but now it's even available for what what he what uh, john gruber calls old-fashioned cellular phone calls on the iphone but he mentioned that it's a little weird how to get to it like it's not it's not very obvious you have to go into the controls in order to activate the voice isolation feature. And you have to do that while you're on a phone call. Why is Apple yeah, doing this feature? It makes uh, no yeah. sense to me. So I have not yet had a chance to try it out with a phone call with somebody. I don't really do that many phone calls with my iPhone. But the next time that I'm <laughs> right. talking to somebody like you, Brett, somebody who, you know, a little okay. bit geeky, we'll do it to try it out. We'll have to try it. Of course, you and I never talk on the phone. We just text to each other because that's um, so. But anyway, <laughs> I, I really don't understand why would Apple come out with a feature that's supposed to make people sound better? and then hide it in a way that almost no one's going to find it. I, right, right. I, I guess there's some logic there that I'm not seeing yet, but I'm not seeing it yet. Uh, John Gruber also says that even with all the new emoji, there is still no chef's kiss emoji. Uh, that would be a nice one. Uh, so, well, okay, we'll come back to the kissing uh, 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 theme <laughs> a little bit later today. Okay, but briefly, I mentioned we talked about the Apple Music app, the existing Apple Music app that's been around for a while. It used to be, you know, obviously the old iTunes, not on the iPhone, but it's become the Apple Music app. But we talked about something that Apple was doing brand new, which we've all really, oh, there's been a lot of people anticipating this, Jeff. I guess I, until I hadn't started reading about this or listening to some other podcasts, I didn't really think that a lot of people were itching for this. But we talked about the Apple Music Classical app. This is a separate app that looks very similar to the already existing Apple Music app, but this is just for classical music. And you link to, I think, one of the best articles that I've read in a long time from Kirk McElhern, which, who, by the way, I followed for many, many years. He had his own blog called Kirkville. He still does, but he writes for a lot of other different different publications, including Tidbits, where um, he has been 
a music aficionado from the very beginning. And if you read this article, you can see why he was talking about the frustrations he used to have when he used to rip his classical CDs into iTunes. Because <laughs> some of the things we talked about last time, Jeff, it's like there is just not like one individual artist, uh, you know, or a band <laughs> for uh, classical music. You can't just like, you know, squeeze it into uh, the, the, the whole of like, what, what's the album called, you know, or what are the different songs because of the different movements and different ways that people categorize it. I liked what he said in this article. Classical music fans have been forced to put square metadata into CD-shaped holes, <laughs> starting with the earliest days of iTunes. But I'm, I, I'm very excited. I've already started playing with this classical music app, and it's really great. Me too. It's nice. If you have any interest in classical music, I absolutely encourage you to read this specific article because I knew that somebody yes. was going to do an article like this. Someone who really cares about classical music and someone who really has been paying attention to how Apple treats it over the decades, even going all the way back to the iPod and um and you know the iTunes and everything like that. So he really knows what he's talking about. He's got lots of pictures yeah. of you know left and right, you know before and after type things to show yes. it used to look this way and it now looks this way. Um, so it's really really helpful. The metadata is. Is obviously a big one. It makes more sense. I mean, when you would search for certain things that are classical music and regular Apple music, you almost couldn't even understand what was going on because in some cases, every entry would look the same because you right. couldn't even get far enough right. into it to see the details that you wanted, the specific movement and stuff like that. Whereas the new app, um, it looks it, it looks very much like Apple Music with a different font. I think it uses maybe New York <laughs> instead of uh, okay. instead of San okay. Francisco, but otherwise it's um, it's it's the same type of thing. But the the new metadata is a huge difference. But that's not the only change. It also has a lot more content, which is something that I talked about. It yeah. has a lot of things specialized for classical music. It's got things that are for complete novices. Like there was a series that I was talking about that I found that it's called. Yeah. Um, the story of classical. And if you just if you just tap on the uh, the listen now, you'll see it there. It's like nine right, right. different. It's almost like it's a podcast because each episode's like I don't know over an hour, and you know it has some talking, and so the narrator tells you what you're about to hear. But it's a whole lot of just listening. And this is someone who knows the best classical music and the best examples, and he goes through different periods all the way up through. I saw like one of the later episodes is actually like you know very recent classical music of today. Oh, nice. So um, it's it, it looks like a, I started listening to it. It was like one of these. It was like taking a great college course on an interesting subject and so uh I, I, I i'm about halfway through the first episode but i can i intend to continue listening to it um but then that's for the beginners like me for people that are truly into this it's got a lot of other stuff too now as kirk points out it's still missing some features we've noticed the yes, obvious ones right. like it doesn't work with carplay yet it doesn't exist on the ipad he has a whole lot of other things that they should be and could be adding in the future and that's great but there's no doubt that it has taken a huge you know classical music is a different type of music and it has taken a huge leap forward here um, and again, just to sort of get back to the basics, I mean, even if you don't consider yourself someone who listens to classical music, you know, right. don't forget about classical music. It's great. But it's great if you want to like sit down and really appreciate it. But it's also really yeah. nice just background music while you're working and stuff like that. So um, and like there's all these new playlists now of, that you can yeah. choose to listen to. So just really cool stuff. It's fun to play with. And if you already pay for Apple Music, it's no extra charge. It's free. Right. And by the way, like we were just talking about 16.4, you don't have to upgrade to 16.4 in order to get this. In fact, I haven't, I just haven't had an opportunity to upgrade my iPhone to 16.4 yet. So I'm still mm -hmm. on, you know, I guess 16.3 or whatever the, the previous one was. And I'm able to listen to the classical uh, Apple Music classical on this as well. And, and, you know, but just your point, I mean, even if you're not that interested in or excited about it, Jeff, it, it really is just a better overall experience if you wanted to look. I, I think this little image here, I know folks listening can't see it unless they watch the video, but this image here, I think, really 
brings down, you know, it, it brings it to the forefront of what things we were talking about. He's got uh, Goldberg Variations by Glenn Gould in the Apple Music app, the original existing app, and the way it looks there. And if you can see, it lists the different Goldberg Variations there from Bach. But you can't you can't see which which one it is because it just the the name just like scrolls off to the side because you're trying to squeeze this into this Apple Music app. But then on the right side, he's got a an image from the Apple Music Classical app, and it's just so much better. In other words, it says this is JS Bach Goldberg Variations, and then it has the individual listings of you know what e- each individual piece and movement is called. Anyway, it, it's hard to explain, and I know if you're just listening, it's not making a lot of sense, but it just is a better overall experience for you know in addition to all the things that we were just talking about already um and i i think to your point you have to be a subscriber to apple music right jeff in order to get access to this okay Mm -hmm. i think that's what they are uh, requiring now but anyway we'll make sure that we link to this uh to uh, kirk's uh, piece it's really really great and frankly it was fun just to even go through some of the history (laughs) of itunes and and how to do it too and apple music good stuff another announcement this week from apple We've been uh, uh, sort of teasing about this because we knew it was going to happen. The Worldwide Developers Conference is going to happen usually in the summer. And sure enough, Apple announced that it will be happening June 5th through June 9th. Now, uh, this is obviously targeted for developers. But as most of our listeners know, Jeff, we talk about this every year because at the very beginning, to kick off the entire developers conference, usually Tim Cook and several of his uh, uh, fantastic colleagues will have a presentation, a keynote presentation, if you will. And in that uh, time that they'll introduce new things for software, for uh, developers that could get excited about, and sometimes, sometimes even some hardware as well. Yeah, Apple traditionally has WWDC in the first full week of June, but you never know. Things change, you know, COVID year and stuff like that. But it was nice to get the confirmation that this is when it's going to be. And as you yeah. say, for those of us, you know, mark your calendar on June 5th, Apple is <laughs> going to it. show up something new. And right. um, what's that going to be? Well, we have lots of speculation. But of course, the big speculation is that Apple is ready to show off its its goggles or assisted reality, you know, artificial, you know, virtual reality glasses. Um, and so that's going to, you know, if, if you believe the rumors, that's what we're going to see but whatever it is this is a time for apple to make a splash with some sort of a big announcement and um so i'm I'm really excited that we know what it is um there was other details you know but too about you know who's going to be invited and the conference has gotten so big that not everybody can really go so apple's allowing developers to put their name in the hat and a random number of them get to get to go in person the rest of them just participate online but again those are the details that are more important for developers for those of us that just use apple products the big news is that something big will be announced in june fifth and then throughout the week we expect apple as they usually do to preview the upcoming right, versions of right. the new ios operating system and ipad stuff that we won't actually be able to use until probably september of this year but it'll be nice to see what the features are and there the rumors and again who knows if the rumors are true but the rumors say that apple is looking to make you know not any big flashy new features but sort of t- get everything a little bit more solid to nail things down and then just have a couple sort of tentpole features so that it's not really unlike the the 16.4 update that we had right. um you know this week which is let's get everything more solid and then put in some new features too so again but who knows any anything's possible between now and June and it's exciting to know that in 2 months we'll be have uh, lots of new announcements to talk about we will continue to cover that from time to time Jeff you do a nice link to somebody touring an apple 
store, an Apple, a physical Apple store. <laughs> and I love it. We've done, I think from, from Italy, we've done, there was one in Los Angeles that we talked about. Right. This is an old one, an old store that's been around for quite a while, but it was so fun to read this story. Look at some of the pictures. Grand Central Station. Everybody knows. <laughs> Very busy place. But back several years ago, maybe about 12, 13 years ago now, Jeff, Apple actually put an Apple store, a physical Apple store in Grand Central Station. And if you've ever had a chance to go to it, it is really fun. I remember I went, I think maybe two or three years after it opened, Jeff, I was in New York and I just said, like, I got to I got to go and check it out. And he described it in this article. What is, this is uh, Nathaniel Pangaro from uh, Apple Insider. And it's just really nice. Like you walk up the steps, you think you're just going to maybe to your, catch your next train and you're in the middle of an Apple store. Really nice stuff with some good pictures here too. Apple loves to do this. They take an old historic building and then so you and, and they preserve it. So although in this case, it was probably already you know doing pretty well, but then they put their for brand new newest technology on top of it. And it's this fascinating yeah. juxtaposition of the old classical with the brand new fancy yeah. shiny stuff. And um, I, I tell you so what, this one, it, it, when they first put this one in Grand Central Terminal, it was sort of interesting because it's sort of like at the top of a staircase and it seemed like yes, an odd location. Exactly. I remember watching it when they were when they were putting it in. But I've, I've gone there many times when I've just been been in Grand Central for some reason and you go up there whether you just want to check out the new apple products or actually pick right. up something new and it's really a nice store they use all the different rooms and and you know it's 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 more than what first meets your eyes when you just see it from the uh from the main level right. of grand central terminal there so but it's a beautiful station if it's a beautiful store rather if you haven't seen it before uh t check out this post and look at the pictures it's uh it's really interesting and new york's got so many great stores you know of course the iconic oh, yeah. cube on fifth avenue and this one and the soho the one, one. soho right yeah they've right. got some really some really interesting stores there it's it's so i mean maybe <laughs> this may really show our geek colors jeff but when i go to a new city that's one of the things i enjoy doing like anytime i go to chicago i still enjoy going to that that's store, store. Michigan yeah, Avenue. i love that one <laughs> and yeah. it's like anytime i go visiting it's like you know some people are need to go try out restaurants or something like that but no <laughs> i would like to go to the apple store well hello there jeff hello there uh, hello there interesting little app that you linked to i was not aware of this either you mentioned that you didn't even know about this but i think i'm going to try this out hello there is an ios greeting card organizer i like this yeah, it's a fun idea. Someone sends you a greeting card and you enjoy getting it. But then what do you do? You, we've all had that feeling where you feel a little guilty throwing it away. Not that right, you're it's a paper it card, forever. right? In the mail. Right, it's a like, paper it's card. not a digital card. Like this is yeah. what I was getting my head wrapped around. This is a, an actual cardboard paper card. Yeah. And so you feel bad throwing it out perhaps. And you know, right. I can save some cards like for my wife and stuff like that. But like, what do you do to it? And I thought that was a great <laughs> idea for an app. So this right. is an app that's specially designed to scan in the cards. So you take a picture of the front and the back and stuff like that. And then you can organize it in all sorts of different ways so that at some point in the future, you wanted to see, you know, what was that card that, you know, Aunt Mary gave me for my birthday six years ago. <laughs> you could pull it up here uh, without right. having to, to, to save the space for it. I actually, it's a, it's a cute idea for an app. Um, and I want to like, try you know, it. Good, good for them. Yeah, it's it's and it's it looks like it's got a nice interface. Now, anytime you use an app like this, which was really designed for preserving things long term, you have to wonder, you know, hopefully this app will still exist 10, 20, 30 years in the <laughs> right. future. That's, that's a good point. Because the nice thing about sticking them all into a cardboard shoebox is that right. you can always, you know, pull out those things, you know, 50 years in the future. Whereas right. I don't know if the hello there app will be there in the future. But again, kudos on them on coming up with a cute idea. Uh, it's it's an interesting review and check out the app if you think it might be interesting to you. 
I want to try it just because simply, you know, for a lot of the drawings the kids made when they were young, that kind of thing, you know, it's like I'm keeping them all. And in a similar way, the way I would kind of get around it is like I would keep a few that were really special or something like that. But then I would just take pictures of the rest of them, That's right? Exactly what but I'm now they're to. just kind of all, okay, good. They're all just in my photos app. But here I just like the idea that this could, uh, this could organize it a little bit more. Another week, another story. <laughs> <laughs> not about a lost iPhone, not about the iPhone saving somebody, not even about air tags, although all of those are good. I feel like we need this is gonna have to be like a, a permanent you need like uh, a find fix, my segment of the find show. Find my segment. Like... We might have to do that, Jeff, because I love this. Every week you you find something that but this was a really interesting story. This was a an, an Apple Watch that was lost at sea. <laughs> a gentleman was uh, swimming apparently, and it was found, and apparently it still worked. Incredible. Yeah, that was amazing. He was swimming near Rio de Janeiro, de Janeiro and the Apple Watch just came off and went to the bottom. And he had while no he was swimming, was. right? But yeah. the funny thing is that he afterwards he's like, "Oh, where is it?" And he used Find My, and I mean, I guess he has the version with uh, cellular, so it would you know wouldn't need a Wi-Fi nearby. But GPS, he could see right. that it was still there and the GPS, so he could see where <laughs> you know more or less where it was, but just couldn't get out to it. But the funny thing he, for the story is that you know somebody who was swimming it, eventually it died. You know, the Apple kind of the, the watch. The- battery so long right but somebody who was swimming found it and then it's a cute story because the daughter finds it and the father says well let's put it on an apple watch charger to get it up right and then right. once they once it came back to life because he had he he knew it was lost and, and he used find my to say you know if you find this here's my name here's your number here's my number which is a feature of find my that you can do and uh the father describes how he used it as a as a teaching lesson for his daughter of you know right something exactly that belong to someone else let's do the right thing let's <laughs> reach out to him so this person who never expected to see his apple watch again was reunited with it um and so that is that is a great little story and it just remains love you it. reminds you yet another reason to use find my truly you've lost it someone else finds it you can if, if they're an honest person they can help you get it back you know the thing I, I was trying to see in here if they talked about how how deep the apple watch was i don't know if they actually said how deep it was underwater they because, did not say you know, i had the same be, thought and if you click yeah. on the original story it's in spanish <laughs> and i can't read it so <laughs> oh well we'll have to google translate that but it, 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 i was thinking about that just simply because it's like i know that the apple watch you know is water resistant and waterproof up to a certain depth right but then mm-hmm. you know if you go really really deep i have several hundred meters or so something like that theoretically unless you get the ultra right theoretically mm-hmm. it's it's it, it you know it's somehow water is going to get in anyway just just pretty incredible that like the, the the that it survived and that it was returned to its rightful owner if you are a user of an excellent app called uh, overdrive you might want to think about switching over um, mm-hmm. i know i used to use overdrive app in fact i think i still have it on my phone because it is an excellent app if you're not aware on how to read books that you can digital books that you borrow from your library now that worked out great and then the makers of overdrive came out with an app not too long ago well maybe several couple of years ago called libby l-i-b-b-y and when that happened, Jeff, I switched over to Libby. And I am a huge fan of Libby. I love it because instead of having to go get a physical book in my library, which sometimes I still like to do to borrow a book, I can go on Libby, connect my uh, library account, my card to the app, and it finds the books. And I can digitally check out 
books or even audiobooks or music yeah. or anything on that. It's really, really great. And so I've been using Libby almost exclusively. And so Overdrive still lives there, but I don't ever go to it anymore. Um, so if you are using Overdrive, you might want to think about going over to Libby, which you're, you're, you're going to be happy that you did just simply because Overdrive, the app is going to be shut down. It sounds like soon. Yeah, big, you know, hardcore users already know this. And the official announcement this week is that the Overdrive app is, I mean, they they said this was coming and now it's officially being sunsetted. So that app's going away and you can use Libby instead. But the re real reason I thought it was worth mentioning today is just to remind people that you can, yeah. if you're a member of your local public library, which you can do for free, you can um, get books, you can get audiobooks, yeah. you can get videos, you can get all sorts of stuff. And I've absolutely taken advantage of this. Um, um, yeah. the one, one that I've done, which I enjoy listening, looking at on my big I, uh, uh, my big uh, iPad Pro is a digital, I say comic books, it's more like graphic collections and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, Graphic there's a couple novels. of them like, yeah. you know, um, like for example, the Sandman collection before it became yes. uh, a series on Netflix, you know, the original comic books are beautifully drawn and they're cool stories. And you know, I wasn't going to go out there and buy the book or something, but it was nice that I could check it out from the library and just read through it. And because it's on the iPad, you can zoom in and see the panels really right. big, or you could zoom out and see it all on the page. And right. it's really beautiful. And it's, it's a great way to, to look at graphic novels slash comic books. Uh, but again, it works good for books too. I've heard people, you know, mention books that other folks you know talked about and so oh, i'll just check it out and you know look at the first you know couple paragraphs right. whatever see right. what i think about it um and if i'm going to read it they're fine or you know but it's it's you know let's not forget that our libraries are out there and they're great resources and you don't even have to you need to go to your library to get a library card number and, a, and your card yes but you know once you have that you know that'll stay good for hopefully a few years you don't need to leave your house you can just use right. your ipad and and get your books right there it's really cool Here's the bonus tip with Libby. I like doing this. Libby itself has a very nice digital reader interface, right? So when you open a book, Jeff, you go through, I think it has some basic highlighting components and you can like, change the font and some of the things. But, you know, another app that has even more customizable features to read digital books is the Kindle app, Amazon's Kindle app, which obviously allows you to purchase you know, books from Amazon in Kindle and read it in the Kindle app. But here's one of the things that I like to do with Libby. I will borrow a book from my, a digital book from my library on Libby. And then it asks you, do you want to read the book, the digital book in the Libby app, or do you want to read it in the Kindle app? And it's really a nice interface the way that it does. And many times I will do that. I will go to the Kindle app because it just, I just like the way the interface and some of the additional fonts and some of the way the highlighting and the historical functions work in the Kindle app. And then once it's done, like it'll keep track of, you know, when you need to return the digital book and the Kindle app will just say, Hey, you know, you've returned this. You can't, you can't access this anymore. But I like doing that just because all my books are kind of in the same library. Anyway, just a bonus tip. And it's all built into the app already. Cool tip. Who likes Tetris? Who likes playing Tetris? <laughs> I'll tell you one that my wife, this is probably the, the one and only video game that she has already played all of her life. And uh, she remembers the old Game Boy and uh, which she still enjoys playing Tetris. This is the, what she does, you know, to, to spend a few moments on the, on the couch or something like this. Um, and if you didn't know this, Apple TV has released a trailer for the Tetris movie, which I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, you know, how, how exciting can that be? But if you've watched the trailer, Jeff, and I know that you have, <laughs> it looks pretty exciting. The movie looks pretty good, actually. I, I'm actually. I'm actually pretty excited to wait for it. I think it may actually come but, out today, too, if I remember correctly. Yeah. What? Okay, well, I know what I'm doing it tonight then. But uh, if you don't have a subscription to Apple TV+, Plus, you link to a great story, Jeff, where you could play Tetris and maybe win a month 
<laughs> free of Apple TV Plus. I thought this was a nice little uh, uh, challenge here. What a cute little tie-in. Yeah, you download the Tetris app, you play Tetris, and you earn points that you can use to get a free month of Apple TV. And you can watch the Tetris movie. You can watch, you know, Ted Catch Up on Ted Lasso and everything else. I just thought that yeah. was a cute little tie-in. You know, I, I haven't played Tetris in a while, but if I if there was some magical counter in the sky that could tell me how many hours of my life <laughs> from the 1980s to the day I've played Tetris, I suspect right. it would be a pretty big number because certainly in the 80s and, and after that, I mean, Tetris is an all-time classic game. And it's of got, course, uh, again, course. this is what the Apple TV Plus movie is going to show, but it has such an interesting history that it was invented by this guy in Russia and then all of the right. sort of international SB. I mean, this is this is in the days of, you know, Russia doesn't really have a free market and how does that work? Um, I think that uh, I saw... Uh, Somebody said the other day that the guy that developed Tetris, you know, what did he ultimately get? And, and this is perhaps going to wow. be in the movie, so I don't know if it's a spoiler a lot, but it know, is coming out did, today. You're what right. Did he, what did he ultimately get for Tetris? Uh, and the Soviet government gave him a brand new computer, which was nice to get a new computer, I'm sure, at the time. But, you know, wow. a, a, a game that has sold billions of dollars and stuff like that. And he just got a new computer out of it. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun game and a fun history. And I'm really looking forward to the show. Um, and I, I think I noticed on Rotten Tomatoes the other day, although it hasn't come out yet, but it had a pretty high thing on the tomato meter. So hopefully it'll be good. I mean, I, I hope it's good. I want it to be good and uh, it'll be something fun to watch. But if you don't have Apple TV Plus, then play a couple yeah. games of Tetris and you can get a free month to watch it. <laughs> if you have a long distance relationship, uh, I'm <laughs> very happy, Jeff, that you linked to a new product that you might want to consider. Um, you know, I, I know we've talked about some apps where you could like send pictures to you know your loved one uh you know across the way i think it was called locket right or the iLocket widget right. i mean i, I just right, remember yeah. that was a very that was a very cute one certainly you can text and you can have facetime calls but you know if you just want something a little bit extra jeff i'm so glad that we can do this public service announcement for all of our listeners out there this is the iphone kissing machine which you i think you really have to see this picture to really understand uh what it can do and how it can benefit your relationships an accessory for your iPhone that is a pair of lips that you can actually kiss the lips. And I guess they move or something like that. And then you send that kiss to someone else who also has the accessory and they can feel the lips oh, move the same way. It seems ultra bizarre. But uh, when I saw this, I'm like, this is just too funny. And I just could not help from mentioning it. And I saw that you put it in today's show notes because you could not help but mention because, it too. Of course. I mean, just, How can we what, not? What do you How can we not? Say? Silicone lips. Sells it's a, is it in Japan that they're selling it? I think it sells for yes. $38 US, but, um, and then it's, a, it's called moi, M U A. I maybe I'm not saying that because it said, I'm not saying it correctly. A name that is apparently based on the sound people make when they blow a kiss. Moi. Oh, yeah. Moi. Moi. There you go. Of that course. Why not? Okay. <laughs> well, this is the kind of, you know, high, uh, energy reporting that you will get only from in the news, uh, <laughs> podcast. So thank you for listening and you're welcome in the know. <laughs> In so the th this isn't too far away, but I'm, I'm going to tell a quick little story. I think, Jeff, that um, if w whatever whatever the rankings of the dad awards, the daddy awards, I, I, I had to rank up one of these uh, uh, this past week. Um, you have a teenage daughter. I have a teenage daughter. I don't think that your daughter is into K-pop as much as my daughter is. Uh, if you don't know, K-pop is Korean pop. <laughs> Um, you know, in the old days, Jeff, us growing up, uh, 
I don't know if you were a fan necessarily, but we couldn't help but notice that there were, quote, boy bands throughout the years, right? New Kids on the Block, you remember, sure, sure. Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, you couldn't get away from them. I feel like that in today's world, <laughs> not to belittle the K-pop world at whatsoever, but in today's world, my daughter is into K-pop groups. And we just happened to be able to take her uh, to a K-pop uh, concert uh, this past week. Well, I did. Just, just daddy, just daddy and daughter. It was a daddy-daughter date to a K-pop concert. But I will have you know, this was her Christmas gift, her birthday gift, and her graduation gift. Because there if you, you haven't go. been to a K-pop concert, Jeff, <laughs> um, let's just say that uh, it's quite an investment <laughs> yes. uh, to go because it's not just the ticket itself, but you have to get shirts. You have oh, light course. sticks, which I hadn't known about that were involved in this. Anyway. We went to a concert from a group called Stray Kids. There are eight gentlemen in, in this group. Um, and I know this, Jeff, because my daughter, being my daughter, created a PowerPoint presentation to make sure that I was familiar with all of the members of the group, <laughs> all of the albums of the group, as well as at the end of the PowerPoint presentation with specific instructions as to how daddy was supposed to take photos and videos during the concert because my daughter being my daughter she had, uh, had memorized all the choreography and dance steps and everything and she was planning to do that while daddy was sitting next to her uh, well standing really and jumping next to her uh, recording everything so the what i'm getting to here in my in the know is my iPhone 14 Pro obviously took the best pictures and videos, right? Even though she was still taking some videos. I had to record videos at 4K and 60 frames per second. So as you know, Jeff, that means that that's going to be the largest space hogs yeah. <laughs> of anything on my phone. And I probably had about half of my space available on my 256 gig iPhone. I've always done 256 gig because I didn't, I've never really needed that much more, right? Well, by the end of the evening, after the two and a half hour, very, very loud concert with much, much screaming going on, my iPhone was full. I got that dreaded message. Your <laughs> iPhone storage is full. And, and Frank, fortunately, I was able to get all of the recordings so that my daughter was, was happy about that. But at the end, you can see I've got this little image here. You know what I'm talking about. You go into your iPhone settings, you go to general, you go to iPhone storage, and you will see that those colored bands that say that it has taken up all of your iPhone storage. So I'm panicking a little bit because, number one, I rely on this phone quite a bit for, quote, unquote, uh, real work. <laughs> um, but I needed to make sure that I, you know, I wanted to make sure that my daughter obviously got all the pictures and the videos that, that she wanted to get. So one of the things that you can do to make sure, because I know a lot of people get this and I, I did get this message. I know a lot of people have struggled with this over the years and Apple has actually done something very, very nice over the years to make sure that you won't run out of space or when you do, that it will do work on the back end to make sure that you can optimize your iPhone storage. And that's exactly what this tip is about today. It will optimize your iPhone storage if you turn this on. I believe this may be turned on by default. What this does is if you have an iCloud account, you take a picture on your iPhone or your iPad, it will automatically send or synchronize that picture or that video up into your iCloud account so that you can get access to it in iCloud photos. But one of the options, if you go into your settings and you can go into iCloud and then photos, 
you can make sure that you can click on optimize iPhone storage. The other option is download and keep originals. If you select download and keep originals, that means all of the original versions of your pictures and videos will be kept locally on your phone. And that means you're going to run out of space and you're going to not be able to get that space back. If you select optimized iPhone storage, the way that Apple uh, describes this is that full resolution photos and videos are automatically replaced on your iPhone with smaller device sized versions. Full resolution versions can be downloaded from iCloud anytime. So really what this does, and I don't know exactly how the magic works on the back end, Jeff, and maybe you have a little bit more insight too, but if I switch on optimize iPhone storage, what I saw that night is my entire iPhone storage was full, completely full, Jeff. But as all of those images and videos uploaded to iCloud, I found that I would go back to my iPhone storage and sure enough, the storage space would be recovered. So in other words, as the, as the full resolution versions of the pictures and videos uploaded to iCloud, then my iPhone storage was, re was recovered in the sense that the full resolution versions were on iCloud. So I'm not losing them. If I go into my photos and I tap on one of those those videos or pictures, it will download the full resolution then for me to view it if I needed to. But most of the time, we're never even going to need that unless you just, you know, really want to see the full version of that. Uh, that's a very long explanation as to why I it, but the, the tip is make sure you go into your settings. You can go into your settings, go to iCloud where your, your picture is in your iCloud settings, and then go to photos and just make sure that you have optimized iPhone storage. When this first came out, I was like, well, I don't want to do that. I want my full resolutions on my phone. But today, Apple has done a very good job of optimizing this uh, iPhone storage. Yeah, I was wondering how you're going to get from K-pop to an iPhone tip, but you did show you us heard that. it. You heard it here, um, folks. I'll tell you, though, this whole topic <laughs> about storage, this is a huge, a huge topic. We could do a whole show. Yes, on it because right. on the one hand, Apple allows you to take these fantastic 4K, you know, 60 frame per second videos, which is what I tend to take too. And they look good, uh, too, because I yeah. knew they're, they look good today and they're going to look even, you know, 10 years from now, they're going to still look good. But the problem right. is that they take up a ton of space. Um, the tip that you have is a good one, you know, optimize local storage. Um, some people use that on all of their devices so that the only place that yes. there is a full copy of every fit photo and video is on the cloud. Um, right. I'm not thrilled with that approach. So on my computer at home, uh, mm -hmm. which I recently upgraded, um, I actually have that turned off so that my computer keeps a full copy of yes. everything. Yes. The problem good, though is that means point. you need to have enough drive space for it. And in fact, one of the reasons, I mean, it was one of many reasons, but one of the reasons that I did my recent home computer upgrade was from a two terabyte iMac to a four yes. terabyte Mac mini was to have the extra space because although there are ways that you can put your photos library on an external drive, sometimes Apple doesn't like it that way and things don't work as well. Right. It's much easier right. if you can put it on your local drive, but you have to have a ton of space. The second thing that I do is I actually don't keep those videos on my photos, or at least I haven't been because I couldn't with my two terabyte space. So I had this whole system where I would take videos and like, you know, once I went to one of my daughter's basketball games or something, and I would, you know, right. in Final Cut, I would stitch together the 10 videos, you know, clips into like one nice little memory of the event. And then I would take my, my raw videos and move them to an external drive so that they were completely out of my 
iPhone, my photos, um, my iCloud photos library because of the space they took right. up. It there's there's no good answers. You know, we will get to a point, hopefully yeah. in just a few yeah. years, where everybody has tons of space. And so yeah. even when you yeah. take very, very high quality video, it will be much like, you know, 20 years ago, we didn't have the space for a high quality JPEG picture. Nowadays, right. we just feel like we could take endless pictures with abandon and not really care about space. Um, but um, so that would be interesting to see, you know, in the future, um, how it goes. But but space preservation is definitely one of the yeah. One other thing quickly, Jeff, it just reminded me, you know, this tip that I'm sharing only works if you've got enough space in iCloud. Right. True, in other words, true. like so because I'm subscribed to Apple One, which includes Apple TV uh, subscription, by the way, then I've got two terabytes in the cloud. Right. So in other words, there, there's two places you might get that message. Your iPhone, local iPhone storage, right, might be full. But then we're talking about the iCloud storage. You can get the message that your iCloud storage is full. You have a free version of iCloud account. You get five gigabytes. <laughs> That's like maybe one, uh, you know, two minute uh, 4K video of Stray Kids performing on stage, right? So that's going to fill up very, very quickly. So you want to make sure that you either buy more iCloud plus storage or, you know, subscribe to Apple One, that kind of a thing. It just made, while you were talking about that, it just made sure that I wanted to uh, uh, to add that. All right. So that's my K-pop storage iPhone tip. <laughs> I'm there. Your I, turn, sir. <laughs> I have a much shorter tip. Um, uh, we we talk many times about note taking on the iPad and and the the app that I love to use, of course, is Good Notes. <laughs> I use it all the time with my Apple Pencil yes. to take notes. I'm getting ready. The reason that I'm wearing a, a coat and tie today is that I have an uh, a federal appellate oral argument next week, and to get ready for it, I'm doing a moot court uh, here at my office today just ah, to sort of prepare. Okay. Um, so I'll be doing that in the next hour or two. But the way that I get ready for an oral argument or any presentation is I take handwritten notes, and I like them because it's not just notes. I can right. also take like a picture of like for me as a lawyer like you know a, a holding from a case and I can put that in my notes and I can highlight it and I can have pictures and things it's very right. my notes are very graphic and I can move things around because inevitably I want to change the order of arguments or stick something but you know a, a new number two between one and three so I'm constantly moving things around but anyway I noticed as I was using good notes extensively over the past week that there was an update in just the last month that they've done which is really nice you may not even see it if you don't pay attention to it at the very top right of the app. First of all, they now have a place where you can just tap. Um, it used to be that you would have to bring something up to change the width of the pen, but now they can have three pen oh, widths right yeah. there. And you can okay. change what those are. So you can change like, I, I want my skinny one, which is pretty small. And I want my thick one to be pretty big, but like that medium one, do I want it more small, more big? I, I can adjust that. So I have, so I can very quickly switch between three different pen widths. But right. the other thing that right. I've liked is that there's a new icon at the far right of the board that you're showing on the screen right now that sort of looks like a dotted circle with a plus on it. I see it. It used to be that you could have three pen colors on the screen at a time, which I usually set to black, blue, and red. And right. then sometimes if I wanted a different color, I would have to like go to the red, hold down on it, change it to a different color. And then I would have black, blue, and orange, but then I didn't have the red and then I have to switch it back. But now they've made it that, you know, you have, you know, as much space as you have on your screen, you can have lots of different colors. And so I think I've got six of them up there right now. And I, um, I, I, I like using colorful notes. I mean, almost to the point of being obnoxious because again, it adds to the graphical nature of my notes. And what it right. helps me for is when I'm giving a presentation, whether it's in court or otherwise, as I have prepared and looked at my notes a number of times, like 
it's not that I'm memorizing my notes, but my brain can almost see a picture of the notes. And mm -hmm. so I automatically right. know, oh yeah, the bottom left corner of this page that has that circle and that arrow and that, that red thing and the orange thing, my brain can sort of remember that. So I know exactly where to look on the page when I want to say something, or maybe I just remember without even having to look at it, what was on the page, which is obviously where you want to go. Um, and right. if I just had like, if I just typed words in Microsoft Word, black words on white text, yeah. and then printed right. that out, for me, that would be just so boring. And so un that it, I wouldn't know where things are on the page or something like that. So this is just the way that my brain works. I always love good notes for this. Um, and this change that they made over the last month makes it even easier to vary your pen width and your pen colors. So thank you to GoodNotes for making this change. I love it. I didn't even know it's something I was missing. And now that I have it, I can't imagine not can't using do it. it. Yeah, you know, we, we we talk about both Good Notes and Notability as like two of the the note taking apps that I think you and I most recommend to folks. Even though the Notes app will let you do this, or even OneNote, you know, there's a lot of places where you can do drawing and you mm -hmm. can do note taking. But if you really wanted to something that would replace complete note taking, I think Notability or Good Notes are the two of the top uh, leaders here. And I love this because what you're describing is something that not too long ago I think came out in Notability, and I liked it. In fact, there's actually like a little slide little toolbar where you can customize each individual pen whether you want it to be thick or or you know uh, thin or colored or it and I love that similar to what you're describing here well Jeff that is a lot of stuff to go over 16.4 I'm gonna upgrade probably over the weekend to make sure that I get access to all the new things that we were just talking about always exciting thank you sir for joining me and we'll talk with you next week take care bye bye everybody